The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. You'll recall, Mr. Secretary, that the Joint Chiefs advised immediate control when the first message was received. Yes, I recall quite well, General. I also recall that the President overruled us. Yes? Admiral Carey, sir. Have him come in. Mr. Secretary? General Burdett? Hello, Bill. Sit down, Carey, sit down. We're closing down that decoding room out in California. But messages are still coming in, sir. Well, they'll be microwaved here as fast as they come in. And they're not getting outside this building. Your whole staff's coming back today. Nothing is to be released to the public. Nothing, you understand, gentlemen? Nothing. Is there anything else, sir? Our economic system of shambles. Industrial production shot to blazes. Our entire civilization collapsing about our heads like a house of cards. And the whole Western world going down with us. No, Admiral, no. There is nothing more. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, June 11th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. If we can credit one thing to the George Floyd riots and protests, it's that they've unmasked the hypocrisy of the left including even with regards to masks and social distancing themselves. Unmasking that hypocrisy is our mission on today's show, right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. And as always, consider offering your financial support. Everyone who donates $25 or more will receive a copy of the 52-page full-color publication, Climate Essentials, written by one of our regular guests, Dave Plum. Now, in a few minutes, we'll be listening to Robert Vaughn's recent conversation with Professor Salim Mansour, as heard and posted on Just Right's own YouTube channel on June the 3rd. What you'll be hearing on today's broadcast is the Reader's Digest version of their conversation, and it is a perspective that I think needs to be heard by many and needs to be considered when trying to make sense out of all the irrationality, the violence and chaos that people around the world are witnessing or experiencing. But first, I want to make a few opening comments about our current state of anarchy and chaos. Let's be clear that the riots and the protests ostensibly associated with the murder of George Floyd have nothing to do with either Floyd or with racism. And anybody who thinks these riots and protests are about either of those things is hopelessly lost, totally at the mercy of a handful of people who are using them as a means to achieve their own agenda. Second, the ongoing propaganda from politicians in the mainstream media about the COVID-19 pandemic continues unabated. It's ridiculous. And at this point in the game, propaganda is all that it is, especially in the clear light of developments and discoveries that have all but ended 
any concerns we should have about the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And third, both the COVID-19 lockdowns and the race riots are part of the same phenomenon. Now, last week we heard a lot from Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and her recorded interviews with people attending a May 24th protest in Vancouver. And during the course of that protest, she mentioned her plan to release a video demonstrating the miracle of hydroxychloroquine. Well, on June 5th, she did exactly that. If you possibly can, be sure to watch that video before YouTube removes it if it hasn't done so already. That documentary is called The Fraudulent Suppression of Hydroxychloroquine by Fauci, the World Health Organization, Gates and Tam. And I'll tell you, it lives up to its title. By the way, in Laura Lynn's hydroxychloroquine presentation, you will see more than enough evidence of what we discussed on the show last week. How politicians are blinded by science, and in fact how science has become blinded by politics. Science has become completely subservient to very unscientific political and criminal agendas. The continued reluctance of our politicians and healthcare officials to quickly disseminate hydroxychloroquine to all people suffering with COVID-19 symptoms has gone beyond the realm of criminal negligence. We're seriously in the area of outright criminality itself, and I think there's going to be a lot to account for when this is all over. Now, I don't intend to get into that issue again today because we covered the whole hydroxychloroquine thing pretty thoroughly last week. But especially in Canada, it's the elephant in the room. Now, of course, there's a big controversy going on right now about the World Health Organization's Dr. Maria Kirkhove's announcement that asymptomatic transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus is very rare. And this is hugely significant since asymptomatic transmission was one of the main reasons given for the lockdowns and social distancing rules in the first place. And then, of course, there's the WHO's announcement that healthy people should not be wearing masks. Well, hello. Welcome to reality. But beyond the competing medical views on masks, they have become a focal point for political virtue signaling by the left against the right. And I found this two-sentence item in the London Free Press on June 4th to be somewhat ironically humorous, came with the headline maskne, based on the word acne, M-A-S-K-N-E. Definition, skin breakouts caused by masks have become so prominent that the word maskne has been added to the urban dictionary. Masks trap moisture from our breath, sweat, oil, and dirt close to the skin, resulting in acne, small bumps, and more, end quote. Well, the more, of course, is all those germs and viruses you can recirculate back to yourself. Now, the reason I'm bringing up the masks is that they've become symbolic. In effect, these riots have unmasked the left's hypocrisy. No one in officialdom is complaining that the rioters and protesters aren't wearing masks and aren't social distancing. Even those politicians who continue to virtue signal the loudest about our wearing masks and social distancing when simply out in the park with our families and kids, none of them wore any mask or did any social distancing when they protested with a cause that they support, racism. And make no mistake about it, these people are protesting for racism, not against it whether they know it or not. Now coming up next on both sides of our first bumper break is Glenn Beck, as heard on his own June 4th podcast and YouTube presentation on the left's lies and hypocrisies. And when we return... We'll be hearing Robert Vaughn in conversation with Salim Mansour. I can't take the lies anymore. I can't take the spin. I can't 
take trying to be nice, trying to be reasonable. I can't take it anymore. Let me start with the stupid coronavirus lockdown. Now, I'm somebody who said we have to slow the curve so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. I was for that when it was a couple of weeks. But then it turned into, you're never going back to work until we have a cure. Well, let me ask you this, now that I see all the rioters on the streets, did you people mean any of this? Did you just destroy the United States economy and put us into the worst depression that this country may ever have seen? For what? For what? Because I don't believe you believed any of this. I am not going to deny what my own eyes see. The governor of North Carolina that just told Donald Trump and the, and the RNC that they can't have a convention. They can't have a convention because it's too dangerous to have their convention. They're just going to have to, they can't bring all those people together. If you can't do it with 150 people, you shouldn't do it here. Really? Because you were out marching with protesters last night and in, on some occasions you were caught with your mask down. Now, then it, was, then it was coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. You're evil if you decide to go out to work. If you say, hey, our economy is important too, you're a madman. But now, oh, the protests are here. Forget about coronavirus. Did, do, do, do you guys mean anything? Because, God damn it, I do. Do you? Do you believe a damn word you say now the media is telling us that black is white and white is black and good is evil and evil is good now the media is having us believe that protests can be violent and still be good and now you make the the excuse that you know all all protests don't have to be violent in fact violence is really a key in america no it is not no it is not our founders begged for peace begged for peace all of you so-called civil rights activists are nothing but a pile of bullcrap martin luther king would be ashamed of you I'm a bigger fan of Martin Luther King than all these people in the civil rights groups. They stand for nothing. You're excused. I no longer care what you have to say. They hate Donald Trump without any evidence. Oh my gosh, he is a racist. Show me. Show me the evidence that he hates black people. Show me the evidence. Until you and your media cronies all started dogpiling on him in the election because of a politics, everybody in the black community loved him. He was a hero of the black community. And then what does he do? He goes in and does more than the first black president. How insulting is that, Bill Clinton? and more than the actual first black president, Barack Obama, who abandoned his people, did nothing for his people. Donald Trump didn't do it because he likes black people. He does it because he understands the system of America. 
He had the lowest unemployment of minorities in the history of this country. And what did you do? Coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. You talked our economy down. You, you, you led the way. And I actually, I actually said, we shouldn't overwhelm the hospitals. Because I didn't want riots in the streets. But all the time you wanted riots in the streets. How dare you? Our economy, our everything is being destroyed by people who are claiming to do it in your name. Do you understand that rights, the rights of men, took us 5,000 years to be able to get this close to it, and you're just going to piss it away? You don't, you don't rebuild a society. You don't rebuild a, a civilization. You don't rebuild a, a, a safety, a safety guard of a, a constitution, the longest running constitution in the world. You don't just throw it away and tomorrow it's happiness. You know, there are two Americas. There are two Americas. There's one America that still believes that all, all men are created equal. There is still an America that believes in the right to life. All life. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Uh, Asian lives matter. Red men lives matter. Babies' lives matter. Old people's lives matter. We still believe that life is important and sacred and cannot be taken away. We also believe in liberty. That you just can't scoop me up, try me in the press. I have a right. I have a right to be heard. I have a right to face my accusers. Look at what is happening to us. Half of America doesn't believe in that anymore. Well, I do. I still do. And the pursuit of happiness? My right to my own business. You can't shut me down. You can't just take away my license because of coronavirus when you're marching in the streets with people who are burning businesses down. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Some of us still believe in that. And we also believe that governments are instituted among men for the purpose of protecting those rights. Do you? Salim, we were both children in 1968 when the news of the day was uh, the burning of American cities perhaps highlighted by the uh, Democratic Convention in Chicago where there was a lot of looting, rioting, violence going on. You had the uh, assassination of Martin Luther King. 
and uh, it was a very tumultuous time but uh, it seems like time has caught up with us or has never left us because right now we're watching uh, marches on the White House um, rioting in the streets burning pillaging and and murder and mayhem in the United States of America and you have an interesting take on the whole issue going back more than back to 68 but back to the fall of the Third Reich before you begin though I'll have to say that we talked prior to this and you told me about it I looked on the internet under the news section to see whether or not your particular take on this had been mentioned by anybody else and I could not find it so I'd be very interested to hear what you have to say about the reason the underlying motivation for what we're seeing today in the United States. Yes, Robert, the, these past week has been, in a sense, a clarifying moment, apart from all of the mayhem, the anarchy, the looting, the burning, and the killings that have taken place right across the United States, and particularly uh, in the blue states, you know, where it all began was is a blue state. Uh, Minneapolis, uh, the Twin City, in Wisconsin. So it has very little to do with what the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa movement are saying. This is about justice. This is about the violence against the black people. This is about the manner in which we all saw that videotape of George Floyd brought to his death by the white police officer. If it was about George Floyd, if it was about justice, if it was about bringing the people who had done the dastardly deed uh, all uh, caught in the video, then we wouldn't be seeing what is happening right now. We wouldn't be seeing America burning. And now, in the midst of this lockdown, just as about the economy was beginning to open with President Trump talking about bringing the economy back in greater strength, we have this race ride that has erupted. And my view is that this is all planned. And this is the final attempt that they hope that with this riot, with America burning, with um, the racial issue brought to the boiling surface, that this would be the final shot at President Trump's presidency and bring him down in November. So all of that is to be kept in mind as we talk. This is the Democratic Party, which is a party of the left. Its projection that there are the white nationalists and the racists is simply the psychological projection of what the Democratic Party is. The Democratic Party is the party of the slave owners. The Democratic Party is the party of segregationists. The Democratic Party is the party that brought the civil war in America in the sense of trying to maintain slavery. And then the Democratic Party in the last 50 plus years has become the party of the black plantation. That is, the Democratic Party is the plantation. But the party that has kept them as slaves, that have ruled them as slaves, and that has segregated them, and that have been the party that created the KKK, and now Black Lives Matter and the Antifa, is the party that gets in excess of 90-95% of the black vote. And this is what keeps the Democratic Party running. And how that has come about is also a story to be discussed. But if the black vote moves even marginally into double figures, that is 12, 13, 14 percent, 
of the black vote moves out of the plantation of the Democratic Party and votes for the Republican, and in this case, the Republican president, Donald Trump, and that will be the end of the Democratic Party. This party has no other agenda to offer to the American people. What actually the Democratic Party offers, which is what is now at play, is the politics of race. And this is what it has become. The Democratic Party, the progressivist party, right to its origin, that is Woodrow Wilson, is a party of race and race politics, which is what led me to connect this with uh, the Third Reich, with the party of Adolf Hitler. Because as you know, the party of Adolf Hitler, the Third Reich, the Nazi, the Nationalist Socialist Working Party, it is National Socialist Working Party, so-called appeal to the workers, was a party of racial politics, Aryan superiority. So this projection by the Democratic Party about white nationalists and white races is actually a projection of its own DNA, of its own characteristic, of its own politics, that you take away racial politics and there is nothing left to the Democratic Party anymore. It is a party that builds upon race identity, gender identity, multicultural uh, mosaic, which as Arthur Schlesinger pointed out and uh, Samuel Huntington pointed out, is the politics of disuniting, the politics of destroying what is the American creed, the American creed as spelled out in the Declaration of Independence. And so they have run out of ideas. They have run out of principle. All that they see is power. And the end of the Third Reich, which is where I was talking to you about, the end of the Third Reich, uh, that is this leadership Adolf Hitler and company brought upon the German people was a Gotterdammer room. That is, it was not about winning. It was about annihilation. It is the politics of complete nihilism, the Gotterdammering, the total catastrophic collapse of a society, of a nation, of a culture, even a civilization, is what a Gotterdammer means. So what the Democratic Party has launched is a politics of an alternative to Donald Trump and the vision of Donald Trump of, you know, make America great again, America first, that is return America to its founding constitutional principles. But it is about how to not only face defeat, but to basically bring the, the roof down upon America. Now, Gotterdammerung in the German quite literally means twilight of the gods. And in this sense, the, the gods would be the Democratic Party. We just saw two terms of Obama. And um, when Hillary Clinton lost, that was that key pivotal moment when, as you say, the gods decided to burn it all down. Because it looks like Trump is poised to have another victory under his belt. And I should point out to our viewers that you correctly identified Trump as being the successful Republican candidate for president when he came down that escalator in Trump Towers. You said that he would be 
the next president of the United States. You are one of the very few who suggested that and were quite correct in it. And you showed me the math that you had done, that you had performed to see that, yes, all of these forces are coming together so that Donald Trump will be the next president. And it's quite evident, I think, uh, barring any massive uh, voter fraud, which seems likely, um, that Donald Trump will continue his presidency for another four years. And with that looming over the gods, the democratic gods, the new Reich, the American Reich of the left, of the Democratic Party, of the party of the KKK, that they have, as you say, orchestrated, and it's becoming quite clear that this is orchestrated, um, a burning of everything that is America. The destruction of St. John's Church across from the White House, the Church of the Presidents, and, and Trump, in defiance, walks across the yard over to the church and holds up a Bible. And that particular picture of Trump walking across the lawn, the uh, Lafayette Park, I believe it's called, is, is iconic, and that will go down in history as an iconic image of a president, a rule of law president, who's willing to stop this destruction, this uh, Gotterdammerung. And this is a deliberate destruction by a losing regime, the Democrats. This is a destruction of all that is good, of all that they sought to destroy by the ballot box. They couldn't destroy it, so they destroy it by actual violence and flames and destruction. And they have recruited, unfortunately, the people who have gone through the progressive education system who have been inculcated and indoctrinated into this progressive ideology for decades, they have recruited them to be their brown shirts, destroying America. And I think you're spot on in your analysis that this is a Gotterdammerung. And I only wish that other people would pick it up. Gotterdammerung, the Twilight of the Gods, I mean, that was Richard Wagner's opera, which was so loved by the Nazis, you know, this sense of uh, either we are going to rule for a thousand years, that is the Third Reich, or it will all come down, you know, the Twilight of the God will come down. But by 1944, the writing was on the wall. So Hitler knew, uh, and his people knew, that the Third Reich is reaching its end. But what was his response? His response was that the German people had failed. The German people were not worthy to be uh, of Third Reich. And so instead of, uh, you know, finding a way out, he was going to fight till the last bullet and till the last German child. You know, toward the end of the regime, they were recruiting teenage boys as Hitler's youth to go out to stand up against uh, the Soviet army advancing towards Berlin. And finally, he blew his brain out on April the 30th of 1945. The point is that Hitler kept on fighting, that the Third Reich kept on fighting and mayhem and bloodshed, and that's the Gotterdammerung, bring the whole roof down upon the head of the German people because they are not worthy. They had proven themselves to be unworthy. This is the politics of the left. The same thing has happened 
with you know Soviet Union. You know, it, it was a miserable wreck. Same thing with China, and China is heading in the same direction, the communist. Same thing with the fascist militarist Japanese. The war was almost over. Germany had surrendered, but the imperialist forces kept on fighting, even as they were being squeezed towards their own island. And the last bid was the, German, the Japanese militarists calling upon the Japanese people to prepare and fight and die. And the last bid was you know, the kamikaze pilots flying out in suicide mission, uh, all in defense of their ideology. So it was empty. It was Gotadamaru. They would fight for defeat. It was no longer fight for victory. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. The nation went up in flames this weekend. No one in charge stood up to save America. Our leaders dithered, they cowered, they openly sided with the destroyers. In many cases, they egged them on. Later, they will deny doing any of this. They are denying it now. But you know the truth because you saw it happen. This is how nations collapse. When no one in authority keeps order, and when so many in our professional class encourage violence, American citizens are forced to defend themselves. They have no choice. No one else is going to defend them. They know that now. It's possible that more people will be hurt in coming days. That would be a tragedy. But in an environment like this, more violence could very well lead to a cascade of new tragedies, to something far bigger and more destructive than anything we have seen so far. So this isn't over. It might simply be the beginning. We pray it isn't. It's hard to think clearly about anything that's going on right now. The chaos, the destruction, the relentless lying from above, it's all too much. Americans are bewildered and they are afraid, but most of all, they are filled with rage, angrier than they have ever been. The worst people in our society have taken control. They did nothing to build this country. Now they are tearing it down. They are rushing us toward mass suicide. So how do we respond? We should start by being unsparingly honest about what is happening right now. Truth is our defense, and it's our country's last hope. For people stuck inside anywhere during this insanity, the sick, the elderly, the powerless, the experience was terrifying. Listen to this woman from Minneapolis. How was last night? It's scary. They went straight to Office Max, the dollar store, and every store over here that I go to. I have nowhere to go now. I have no way to get there because the buses aren't running. So that's what's happening in America right now. We didn't play all of the tape we have. There's a lot of it. Some of the tape is too shocking, and honestly, it's too incendiary. We understand that television is an emotional medium, and we don't want to make things worse. We're not going to. But you get the point. The point is, this is a national emergency. It's a profound national emergency. But you would never know that from listening to our elected leaders. Almost all of them pretend this is not really happening. Or if it is happening, it's just part of America's long tradition of vigorous political discourse. Politicians on both sides tell us that this is all about the death of a man in police custody in Minneapolis last week. The people burning down our country are protesters. They're engaged in a legitimate protest. Okay, what exactly are those protesters' demands? What are they asking for? If Congress agreed tonight to enact their program, what would the program be? Not a single person even hints at the answer because there is not an answer. No one has bothered to poll the guys beating up old ladies on the street or looting Gucci, but you've gotta wonder how many of them have ever even heard of George Floyd. And if they have heard of him, what difference would it make? Violence and looting are not forms of political expression. 
If you were killed tomorrow, how many buildings would you want burned to the ground in your memory? How many old women smashed in the face on the street in your name? None, we hope, because you're not a vicious psychopath like the people you've just watched. In fact, what we're watching is not a political protest. It's the opposite of a political protest. It is an attack on the idea of politics. The rioters you have seen are trying to topple our political system. That system is how we resolve our differences without using violence. But these people want a new system, one that is governed by force. Do what we say or we will hurt you. You know this. You can see it for yourself on television. You have. But our leaders continue to lie. They tell us that's not true. This isn't happening. It's just a protest. Some Democrats have openly embraced what is happening. Really, they don't have much of a choice. These are their voters cleaning out the Rolex store. These riots effectively are the largest Joe Biden for president rally on record. In gratitude for that, more than a dozen Joe Biden for president campaign staffers donated money to the rioters in Minneapolis, and then they bragged about it on Twitter. No Democratic leader can directly criticize what is happening right now, and in fact, some have joined in. Over the weekend, the Democratic Party of Fairfax, Virginia, which is an important Democratic organization, released the following statement on Twitter. We're quoting it. Riots are an integral part of this country's march towards progress. Progress. Burning buildings, tear gas, dead bodies, the screaming injured, criminal anarchy. To the Democratic Party of Fairfax, that is called progress. Almost all of our so-called conservative leaders joined the left's chorus, as if on cue. On Friday, as American cities were being destroyed by mobs, the vice president of the United States refused to say anything specific about the riots we were watching on television. Instead, Mike Pence scolded America for its racism. Carly Fiorina, once a leading Republican presidential candidate, tweeted that, and we're quoting, it's white America that now must see the truth, speak the truth, and act on the truth. Meanwhile, Kay Cole James, who is the president of the Heritage Foundation, that's the largest conservative think tank in the country, you may have sent them money, hopefully for the last time, Kay Cole James wrote a long screed denouncing America as an irredeemably racist nation. Quote, how many times will protests have to occur? Got that? Have to occur. Like the rest of us caused this by our sinfulness. The message from our leaders on the right as on the left was unambiguous. Don't complain. You deserve what's happening to you. Donald Trump's response to these riots, which is ongoing, is the singular test of his presidency. About an hour ago, the president announced that he's going to marshal all available forces, military and civilian, to stop these riots. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Good for him. Immediately after that, Dress, the president walked over to St. John's, which, as we just told you, was burning fewer than 24 hours ago, and that provided a powerful symbolic gesture. It was a declaration that this country, our national symbols, our oldest institutions, will not be desecrated and defeated by nihilistic destruction. Another night of looting, and what's the media's priority? He calls them thugs? Who is the thug here? 
hiding in a bunker, hiding behind a suit. We are teetering on a dictatorship. Is the president declaring war on Americans? What is happening here? The president had been saying incendiary things, uh, certainly, um, if you've been listening with any kind of open-mindedness, certainly not helpful things. He's all but calling on authorities to crack skulls at these protests. It's just not something that you normally see in the United States of America. It's something that you see in uh, more authoritarian countries. Amazing. Meanwhile, the New York Times headline reads, America's protests won't stop until police brutality does, meaning they hope this could go on forever. One of their scribes chides Mayor de Blasio for being too pro-police. Meanwhile, the city burns and stores are looted, cops are beaten, and people are beaten too. The New York media, by sticking to their narrative that we deserve the punishment, reject protecting our citizens. They mock the need for military intervention. People have families and relatives, and they have spouses who work at night. When our leaders believe this mayhem is inevitable and perhaps even necessary, then who protects us now? Still others blame Trump. Now I watched the streets of my home destroyed. It wasn't Trump, it was criminals who knew that the light touch of impotent leaders allows for ruin. And how is it Trump's fault that a cop killed a defenseless man in a liberal town held by liberal politicians? It's not, but the media says the opposite. It's why when you say everyone's in agreement over Mr. Floyd, including Trump, they respond that that's not enough which tells you, again, they want no end to the violence. They want to burn it all down. They being radicals on the street, in faculty lounges, in government. And the minority shopkeepers are paying the price. The minority owners of restaurants are paying the price. Minorities in general always pay the price. The only people who aren't paying any price are the media. They wax poetic and they rake it in. They hope if they feed the crocodile enough, as Churchill once said, it will eat them last. It will, and then it'll get food poisoning. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. So, you, you see this, that the Democratic Party has played the race card right through to the end. And now, 50 years later, empty of everything, they knew and they know that they cannot defeat Trump. Despite everything that they have thrown, Trump has maintained his core support that is in the area of 47, 48%. And all the polling that has been done is being done in a way in which the polling data is skewered towards the Democrats by the polling company which is exactly what happened in the 2016 election. So now what you have is this tragic event for George Floyd that happened, which all of us saw across uh, North America and now the world, was seized upon by the professional, militant, fascist arm of the Democratic Party. The irony it is it calls itself anti-fascist, anti-fa. But their action, their word, their very conduct, everything about their political DNA spells fascism. So that's Aurelian language, Antifa, or Black Lives Matter. So who are the people who have mobilized them? Who are the people who are paying for them? We are now getting reports. We are getting reports that all the Hollywood actors, all 
champagne drinking liberals in Hollywood, in the media, in the academia, George Soros and his organization, the Open Society, they have been funding all of these people. They are paid rabble-rousers and rioters. You know, we are getting reports that wherever there is trouble, it is the outside people that are coming in, crossing the interstate line and coming in to create the mayhem that has been happening. Which cities are burning? You can see New York, the mayor is a Democrat mayor. The governor is a Democrat mayor. Chicago, Democrat administration, Democrat governor, Democrat mayor. Atlanta, Democrat mayor. California, we were seeing pictures from LA, from Santa Monica, from uh, other parts of California. Democrat governor, Democrat mayors, you know. You're not seeing these things happening in red states. So there you have it. You have the coalescence of all the various arms of the Democratic Party coming together in a way to create this pandemonium and escalate it and pin it on Donald Trump. But they know that they cannot win because they have no agenda. Their record speaks for what it is. They have a presumptive nominee who cannot articulate a single sentence coherently. If Joe Biden is not already deep into dementia, he's on a fast slope to dementia. And they have this presumptive nominee whose 40 years record in the Senate speaks for itself. A man known for his plagiarism and his lies who has achieved absolutely nothing, no more than did Barack Hussein Obama, who he served as vice president, who was a community organizer, an Alanskyite, picked up by the democratic machine to be a president. No record whatsoever, nothing to speak about. Same with Hillary Clinton. By the way, both, them, both Obama and Hillary Clinton are the loyal, proud, devotees and students of Saul Alinsky, the Marxist-Leninist operator. So this is what I said. This is the God of Damaro. They know that they cannot win. They are like Hitler in the bunker. The army is moving in. In this case, it is the army of the people. Just like in 1968, as the mayhem and the pandemonium broke out in America, what happened? What was the result? It was the last stand of the democratic segregationist leaders like George Wallace, the governor of Alabama, who became a third party candidate. Hubert Humphrey was from the north, from Wisconsin, and George Wallace was from the deep south, as was, for instance, Lyndon Johnson from the deep south, that is Texas. People have forgotten that this, the senior most leaders of the Democratic Party have been grand chiefs and poobahs of the KKK, like the former Senate Majority Leader Robert Byrd, or Senator, you know, who later on crossed over and joined the Republican but was a Democrat, Senator Thurman. So there's who's who of the Democratic Party who have been segregationists, who have been members of the KKK, who have 
done politics, which is politics of race. It is not the politics of the freedom-loving people that is the conservatives, whether they are in the Republican Party or they are independent. No. So they know that Donald Trump is in the same position that Nixon was in 1968. Nixon was the emblematic nominee of the Republican Party standing up for law and order and talking about the silent majority. And we know the result, what happened. He not only won the 68 election, he went on to win a landslide election in 1972 against George McGovern. It was for the stupidity of his underlings in the Watergate that was blown out of proportion in terms of the obstruction of justice because the Democrats control both the Senate and the House that the process of impeachment was launched against Nixon and the establishment Republicans abandoned him. That's exactly was the hope that the establishment Republican will abandon Trump as the Democrat engineer the impeachment hoax. They had engineered the Trump-Russia collusion the Ukrainian phone call and everything around because they control the media, they control the academia. And the more mayhem you can, can create, the more noise you can generate, you will confuse and confound the people. That's the hope. But the reality is, I think the people have woken up. And that awakening is that the 2020 election will be pretty much a landslide election, even with all of the planned robbing of the vote that the Democrats will try to engineer. And so that's the Gotterdammerung. Bring down the roof on America. It is the hatred of America. And finally, I would say it is the hatred of America, which is a long-standing hatred of the progressivists. What is the hatred of America about? It is about the constitutional order. It is about law and liberty. It is about the rule of law. You know, and you can see that at every stage of the last century's political movement in which the Democrats have been operative, it has been to undermine it. That is the progressivist agenda. I mean, the progressivists are simply Marxists in North American context, including our own progressivists in the liberal ranks and the NDP ranks. You see, the fundamental historical observation of Marx in terms of his own Marxist thinking was and remained that Marxism, that is socialism and later communism, can only be grounded and take shape and succeed in the most advanced economic society. Whereas wherever the revolution, Marxist revolution has taken place, has been in the most backward economic society. Marxism and communist revolution in Tsarist Russia was simply a mafia operation. It was a grand thuggery. It was a brutal onslaught on the Russian people with millions of dead. Same thing in China, the most backward peasant economy. 70 million dead 
in the hands of one man, Mao Zedong. Okay. So, from right from the beginning, the Marxists have known, which by the way, are the children of Europe, the European culture and European civilization, that is, those who have born that Marxist rule, and the academics in North America, the people in the media, they know that Marxism, that is their utopian agenda to succeed, they must defeat America. They must, in various ways, dismantle America. They cannot do it with an open declaration of a class war. But given the history of America's past, that is the stain of slavery, instead of trying to heal this, which is what Abraham Lincoln tried to do and he paid by his life, instead of trying to heal this, the Democrats have run their politics of always trying to make it worse, to heighten it, to poison that well and turn American politics into a race-based conflict through which they can then push their Marxist agenda, which is their progressivist agenda, against, the, against America as a land of freedom, as a land of individual freedom, as a land which stands out for the rest of the world what the Statue of Liberty represents, not the way the Marxists and the progressivists would want it to represent. A fascinating and unique analysis, Salim. I thank you once again. Thank you. We are facing a time right now that everything I said would come is here. When I see these protesters on the... Stop calling them protesters. When I see these rioters, these anti-capitalist, anti-American rioters who are stealing because they believe they have a right to somebody else's stuff because, well, that black person doesn't really own that store. That's really owned by the man in the bank. People who are destroying the life, the liberty and the pursuit of happiness if that doesn't warrant the use of the insurrection law, what does? That law was, was made to protect those things from the very people who, while burning and looting, are telling us that America is being destroyed. That's what that act is for. And these governors who told us, you can't go out and protest. You're some radical. You're dangerous. Oh, the press again. And the left again. And the, uh, and the progressives again. And the politicians in Washington once again telling you, you can't protest because you, your life, your livelihood, your life is at stake. You are dangerous if you protest. are now marching in the streets. Donald Trump is not the problem. The problem is progressivism is at the end of the road. When it gets to the end of the road and every progressive that's honest, that knows its history, knows it comes to this eventually. 
because these two systems cannot coexist. You either have man as a slave to other men or you have freedom. Which do you want, America? Which do you want, the rest of the world? Remember that whole coronavirus social distancing thing? Remember how in both the US and the UK the media denounced and publicly shamed anti-lockdown protesters for spreading the disease and killing granny? Well, they've suddenly changed their tune, haven't they? Thousands of BLM demonstrators gathered in London today for more peaceful protests that ended with barriers being smashed, objects hurled at cops, and police officers punched in the face. So peaceful. Boris Johnson urged people to protest in accordance with social distancing. Yeah, really looks like they're doing that. Meanwhile, we can't hug our loved ones by law. It's illegal for us to get closer than two meters to our own parents, but this is okay. Anti-lockdown protesters are bad, spread the virus, and kill granny, and you'll be publicly shamed if you take part. BLM protests are good, and don't spread coronavirus at all. <laughs> And you'll be publicly shamed if you don't take part. The same health workers in the US who berated stay-at-home protesters, even though many of them stayed inside their vehicles, for violating social distancing, are out on the streets today applauding far-left protesters for congregating in huge mobs with total disregard for social distancing. <laughs> Authorities in New York were enforcing social distancing rules despite the fact that riots and looting were taking place just two miles away. People aren't even allowed to go to church, yet these rioters are venerated. We can't even go to the pub to see our friends, yet these people can swarm Downing Street in huge numbers and the media gives them a pass. Imagine if there was an open the pubs protest in London. Even if only a hundred people turned up, the media and the left would be outraged. What changed? Let me emphasize, this is all in response to something that happened in a different country. UK police killed just two unarmed, meaning without a gun, people in the whole of 2019. One of whom was Usman Khan, the London Bridge terrorist. What are you even protesting? When an Islamic terrorist blew up a bunch of kids in Manchester, we were told don't look back in anger. But when an American cop kills someone 4,000 miles away, people get angry. What changed? Is coronavirus woke? Does it take a break exclusively for protests that champion left-wing causes? Or are you all just a bunch of massive f***ing hypocrites? As Ben Sixsmith writes for The Spectator, it's kind of amazing. For weeks we've been arguing about the minute details of viral transmission. Can you be outside? How often can you be outside? Can you be with other people? How many? And how much distance should you keep from each other? Then masses of people gather in cities across the world for a protest and the authorities do nothing, it just goes ahead. All those cancelled weddings, missed funerals and never to be had last moments with their loved ones that people were expected to endure, only to see other people doing this. You know, I couldn't help but smile when I heard Paul Joseph Watson's reference to how the left accuses us of quote-unquote killing granny whenever we gather in groups or don't social distance. 
That is exactly, in verbatim, the argument used by the doctor confronted by Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson at the Vancouver protest that we heard on the show last week. I mean, that argument is irrational. That argument is mindless altruism. It is the left's call for self-sacrifice and the sacrifice of others for a cause. I think that if anyone out there came close to reflecting Salim Mansour's interpretation of the chaos that we're witnessing during these days of irrationality, it was Glenn Beck, just as we heard him in that final summation. You know, in one way, it could be a sigh of relief to know that this death cult of the left is in its own death throes. And if nothing else, Salim's narrative drawn from history certainly explains a lot, doesn't it? It explains why facts don't matter, why reality doesn't matter, why history doesn't matter, why logic doesn't matter, why consistency doesn't matter. This is nihilism, as in ideological. Politically, the one consistent ideology of the left is, when persuasion fails, just initiate force against those who disagree. Sound familiar? And if we're looking at patterns from history, and to draw upon Salim's comparison with the Third Reich, the mass protesters and rioters are suffering from a form of mental illness. During the rise of Nazi Germany, Willem Reich identified this collectivist phenomenon as the emotional plague in his excellent book, The Mass Psychology of Fascism. And if history is to be our guide, this emotional plague is what precedes a period of extreme fascism. The real racists among us are the fascists and socialists of all colors. Racism is a political phenomenon, not to be confused with prejudice or bias or preference. Those are personal issues. And when it comes to systemic racism, let's never forget that the, quote, system behind that systemic racism is socialism, it's collectivism, it's the left, it's the Democrats, it's the liberals. And there are no exceptions to this rule, not a one, none. To think in terms of race, one must be a collectivist on the left who puts the group ahead of the individual. And now here we sit, left in the middle of an emotional plague that is the real plague that so threatens us. So whatever you take away from all of this, it seems pretty clear to me that as bad as things look now, the worst is yet to come. And why do I say that? Because there are still five months to go before the next American election. Fortunately, we can't wait that long to continue our assessment of the crisis, which is why you are invited to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. to black and white under the bed clothes everything will be all right of course if it's contagious they'll probably quarantine the camp possibly i already had chicken pox i wonder if they'll burn the buildings burn the buildings i also had measles can't be too careful with wartime epidemics of course i think they have a german measles <laughs> if they burn the buildings, that would mean dispersing prisoners to other Starlocks. What other kind of measles could I have? Schultz, will you stop mumbling? <laughs> yeah, they'll break up your command. But then you'll have what you've always wanted. What have I always wanted? What? What? Frontline duty. Combat unit. Maybe if you're lucky, the Russian front. <laughs> That's what I've always wanted? <laughs> Hogan, my duty is here. And nothing must interfere with the duty of a German officer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to cancel that
call us out of four? <laughs> he must get well. Now, that's an order. We'll do the best we can, sir. He's to have chicken soup every hour on the hour. Understood? Understood. Understood. And if necessary, give it to him intravenously. 